rather be in church than the best hospital in the city. Okay, I've come to the right church. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, we're getting to the end of this little series that we've been doing on just, you know, trying to take advantage of the fact that the calendar's ticked over. Uh, you heard about the uh, thief who stole a calendar from the news agents. Apparently they gave him 12 months. <laughs> okay. Pray for your pastor. Um, we've got a slide coming up, so this is going to be our last thing. But let's just pray. Uh, Father, uh, people come and people go, but Lord, you remain. And Lord, uh, it's, it's our task to actually live out what we've just sang. Lord, I surrender. May you be glorified in my life, in my world, in our church, Lord. May you be glorified in the city. Uh, Lord, we bring to you, Lord, those who are Lord, facing significant life-threatening illnesses now. Uh, our, our dear sister Sue and our other dear sister Sue, Lord, spelt differently, Lord. Father, they need your miraculous touch in Jesus' name. But, Lord, we do thank you for Laurie, for Robin, Lord. Fifty years, Lord, of the, the love is still sweet. And, uh, Lord, the, the babies, Anna and Marie and David Delaney, Lord, coming up to 30 years, Lord, uh, Thank you, Lord, for successful marriage, Lord, that is modelled. Lord, through all the, the good times and the hard times and the pointy times. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that uh, Daniel Shaw, Lord, was rushed to hospital by the Royal Flying Doctor Service after a serious accident, but, Lord, he walked out the next day. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all the good things. Thank you for our, our sister Tao's slow recovery, Lord. One step forward, Lord, a bit of a step to the side, but Lord, continue to heal her body. Lord, for Nancy's knee, Lord. Lord, continue to give her strength to her body, we pray. And Lord, we are also mindful that uh, our dear sister Elise lost her mum this week. And uh, Lord, why she's going to be a few in glory and how precious it is when your saints are graduated into heaven. It is precious, Lord, but Lord, just comfort Todd and Elise, the family, Lord, those left behind in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we just sit here in your presence, Lord, we cast all our cares upon you because, Lord, you care for us. And everybody said, Amen. So this morning I'm just going to talk about that really simple idea of the whole idea of gratitude and, and learning how to count our blessings because they're so important to um, my attitude, the way I conduct my life, how I see things. And so uh, my text this morning is going to be Psalm 90 and I'm going to ask Pastor Bob Lane if he wouldn't mind reading Psalm 90 verses 1 to 12. Thank you, Pastor Bob. Well, I, I can open this one up if you like. Bob's one of these modern people with an app on his phone. No, no, I've got, got it. So this is the Blue Letter Bible. If you haven't downloaded the Blue Letter Bible app, it's pretty spectacular and it's free. Who likes free? Uh, you know, the things that I used to have to do years ago that took ages to do and 4,000 books, you can now get in the Blue Letter app for basically nothing. It's good, isn't it? Some of the resources that we have are so good these years. So where, where's Psalms in the Bible? 
Well, it's in the middle of a Bible. It's not in the middle of an app, is it? <laughs> there you go. Oh, sorry. Okay, let's listen to the word. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. You've heard, uh, sorry, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world. Even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn back man into dust and say, return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by or as a watch in the night. You have swept away, swept them away like a flood. They fall asleep. In the morning they are like the grass which sprouts anew. In the morning it flourishes and sprouts anew. Towards evening it fades and withers away. For we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath. We have been dismayed. You have placed our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. For all our days have... For all... For all our days have declined in your fury. I'm sorry, I had a little difficulty reading this. <laughs> you have finished our years like a sigh. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years. If due to strength, 80 years. Yes. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? So teach us to remember our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. <laughs> Sorry. Um, That's good. That's where we need to finish. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, I was a little bit emotional as I read that because he's touching my heart. So. <laughs> it's all right. Seeing you're so young, Bob. Yeah, I'm actually 70. So. 70. That's a promise. You can go for 70, then by due strength you can go for 80. Thank you, Lord. So praise the Lord. So um, rebooting 2019. So we've just had these very simple ideas. Next slide. Thank you. The first thing we wanted to say to you, make this year a year where you work smarter and not harder. God has given you wisdom. And not only that, the Bible says if you lack wisdom, James chapter 1, if you lack wisdom and you want wisdom, all you have to do is get all you have to do is ask God and he promises you that you will receive wisdom. So none of us need not to have wisdom because God has promised that if you believe, he will give you the wisdom that you need. So work smarter, not harder. How? What does it look like in your life to sharpen the axe? Instead of just hitting that tree with the same old blunt instrument again and again, what do you can do, what can you do to sharpen what's on your life. It's good advice. comes from the Bible. Next slide. Thank you. Uh, we also wanted to just uh, bring you into this whole thing that our language is just so important. So important. And the Bible says that there's life and death in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, you'll get to eat what you say. You will get to eat your words and we can change our world by changing our words. We can change our world by changing our words. It's true. So may God put a guard over my mouth. You know, simply in our family, I don't know how successful it is, but one of the things I did try to tutor our kids on is that we don't use the word hate in our family. And there have been a few times in our family when, you know, the expressions come out, 
I hate broccoli. Anybody hate broccoli? <laughs> I hate Brussels sprouts. Oh! <laughs> and my, what I would say to the children is, you know, we should hate sin. We should hate rape. We should hate abortion. We should hate drug addiction. We should, that's the stuff we should hate. Broccoli, you're allowed to not like it. Because I think language is important. So life and death is in the power of the tongue. Next slide. Then uh, Pastor Karen taught us the great strength of, how, of rediscovering your joy, locating that joy. It's the joy of who? It's the joy of the Lord, isn't it? If you've got to rely upon the joy of Mike, you're in trouble. <laughs> if you've got to rely upon the joy of someone else, you're in trouble. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. Great power. How, where does your strength come from? comes from joy. comes from joy. And uh, then last week we spoke about uh, Romans 8.28. Next slide, thank you. And uh, the question was asked, what do we know? Well, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and accord according to His purpose. So what do you know? Oh, very good. Thank you. Wonderful. Give yourselves a clap. It's good. Because that will change your world. That will absolutely change your world if you believe what the Bible says. All things work together for good that those love God. And next slide. Thank you. This week we're going to just say, count your blessings and Psalm 90 verse 12 is, teach us to realize that life is short. So grow in wisdom Live on purpose. None of us can absolutely believe just how fast life goes. Have you been finding the world's getting faster? That the time goes faster? It's February already. I can't believe it. I thought we just had Christmas. I went into the shops yesterday. Not a good idea. Usually kills the credit card. Went into the shops yesterday, grocery shopping. And, you know, they've got Easter eggs out. I mean, like... Didn't, didn't we just do Christmas? Like everything's just going so fast. Next slide. Thank you. And uh, I'm going to ask if our stewards would kindly put two of our chairs on stage, one this side and one that side. Thank you. I know that was on the run sheet. I just made it up. Oh, thank you. Let's give the amazing Simon a hand. Hey, man. I love that shirt. And the lovely Lorian as well. Did you grow that hair all by yourself? It's really nice. I like it. So, um, two, two chairs. I think you get a chance to pick a chair to sit in, don't you? In everything you do in life. As sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives, said the old series. Oh, some people went into visceral reaction to that. With the celebration of the new year, I suppose that for every, every one of us, we've become a little bit more conscious, aware of the times and the seasons that we are. For those dear families amongst us now that have just recently lost relatives, you know, again, you're, you're 
much more sensitised to the fact that life is very short. You know, if you had a bank account and uh, your bank account got credited for $86,400 every day, that'd be exciting, wouldn't it? But the trick is that there's no carryover. What you don't spend one day just gets wiped off and then you get another $86,400 the next day. But what you don't spend, it goes again. Well, you know what? Every one of us are given 86,400 seconds every day. And what you don't spend today is gone. It's gone. You can't take it over. You can't back it. In fact, I'm just going to spend another second. It's gone. Sorry. I'm going to rub another second off you. Oh, sorry. I'm rubbing another second off you. One of the reasons I always want to respect our time as a church, I'm really happy to go over time if it's the Holy Spirit's moving. But if there are 200 people here and I'm lazy about my time and I take five minutes, I've just stolen your time. When you come late... No, I won't go. Stop it, Mike. Stop it. Stop it. I won't complain. But you are credited. You have the same amount of time as Donald Trump. And if you get, did away with Twitter, you'd have a lot more time. <laughs> the psalmist says in this amazing uh, understanding, the days of our lives are 70 years, and by reason of strength, they may be of 80 years. And yet, hallelujah, Gary's going down for 60 the way he's going. And yet, that all really is about is pain and sorrow. And it will soon be cut off. So, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So, how do we get a heart of wisdom? Well, let me just suggest to you, let's have the ability of making time count in the past. Going through the logic, the logic, the reckoning, the calculation. Here's a question for you. If, if you're here this morning and you know that God has saved your life, your physical life, can you put up your hand, please? I, I, actually, can you stand up? Because that's amazing. If you know God has saved your life, can you stand up here right now? Oh, that God deserves a praise for that. You're alive. You're alive. God saved your life. And I know some of those stories. Pastor Karen, you, you, you shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. God bless you. You may be seated. Isn't that amazing? The fact you just have breath. The fact that you're still thriving alive today is a miracle that you can testify. God saved my life. There's an old hymn, but it's worth repeating. When upon life billows, you are tempest-tossed. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and you will be surprised what the Lord has done. Are you burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy your cord to bear. Count your blessings. Every doubt will fly. And you will be singing as the days go by. When you look at others with their land and gold. Uh, last week I was uh, up at New Norse here and you meet some interesting people up there. But I met a guy who's a former lawyer in Perth. Uh, he'd be well known. And uh, he's now a man who lives in a mansion 
There are 11 bedrooms in his mansion. He lives in that house alone. He's got his Mercedes. He says he's got $2 million in the bank. And you know what? He's not a nice man. And he's miserable. And he's sour. He's intelligent. He's got money. And yet he is so bankrupt in terms of that inner world. And when you look at others with their land and gold, think that Christ has promised you wealth untold. Count your blessings. Money cannot buy and your reward in heaven nor home can buy. So amid the conflict, whether great and small, do not be discouraged. God is over all. Count your blessings. Angels will attend. Help and comfort and give you to your journey's end. So count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what the Lord has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Some years ago, many years ago, back in the last century, in fact, it was the last millennium when I did my first bit of Bible college training, we had to do a subject called counselling. Because apparently Christians have problems. <laughs> they come to me with their problems. I try and send it to Pastor Karen or to Helen or to other people now. And, uh, uh, but they come in. So I'm meant to have some counselling skills and, you know, over time. And one of the things you do is you get to ask people explorative questions. You try and figure out, you know, some of their schemas, some of their narratives, some of their internal chat, etc. But as part of our training, what we had to do is find another uh, student in our class, we will call victim, and you had to just like pretend to counsel them. So this guy's name was Mark. He was on my stripping team. Before you get too shocked, uh, that was stripping floors, not in a nightclub, okay? So he was on my stripping team. And uh, we, we worked every day. He had a good marriage and good life. He was an interesting guy. No real problems. So we, we swapped. He was going to counsel me and I was going to counsel him. And so we sat him down in the office and we started to go through his problems. I started to think to him, well, tell me about that. Well, the way he and his wife got together was actually quite awkward. Uh, she was a divorcee. There was some real stretch and some real problems. And he was an alcoholic at the time. Now, the, fast forward, he's now Bible college and now serves God as a pastor in our movement. You know, God's lifted him. But as he took his thinking back to what happened, I think it was probably from memory 15 years ago, he started to think of the trouble that he had and the problems that he had and how difficult it was and stuff. You know what? He suddenly went from being okay to being depressed and not okay. And I worked out, I hadn't helped him at all. I hadn't helped him at all. It's like I'd taken the guy by the hand, walked him up to the Armadale um, Cemetery, and we dug up a body that should have just been left dead. You know, it's, it's wrong and it's smelly and it's horrible. So one of the keys about the past is let it go. Let it go. Stop it. Stop it. Trying to help a girl right now who's sadly sexually abused some 20 years ago. But when do you stop going through the pain and the hurt? When do you stop that? There's got to come a time when you just need to say, it's over, it's done, it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. It doesn't define me. I'm not going to be a victim and I'm going to move forward. 
Philippians 3 verse 13 says, The one thing I do. Tell your neighbour. The one thing I do. Tell your neighbour. The one thing I do. The one thing I do. I forget the past. I forget the past. And I move on. I reckon half the marriages that I've done in counselling and relationship, you know, relationship coaching, would absolutely have a super breakthrough if they just forgot the past. He said, I remember back in 1984 when I put that dress on and you said I look like a fat cow. (laughs) Sorry, honey, I didn't really... uh. Make time count by looking at what God has done. Not what you have done, yeah? Not what others have done, but look what God has done. In your life. Um, make time count in the future of the 7 billion people who entered the new millennium. Uh, the meaning of life has often been described as the pursuit of happiness. But here's one of the terrible conundrums of this world is that if you pursue happiness, you will get misery. If you chase it, you will only end up in a circle. You'll be like the dog who loves to chase buses. When he catches it, he doesn't really know what to do with it. And it's not that much fun after all. Or like the man who broke the Guinness Book of Records, a Japanese man for eating hot dogs. He was able to consume 53 and three-quarter hot dogs in 10 minutes. Apparently, he felt quite ill after it. Okay, this is going to be a little bit of a divide here. If you're under the age, who's heard of Elvis Presley? Who's not heard of Elvis Presley? (laughs) Now, he was the king of rock and roll for many, many generations. A few weeks before he died at the tragic age of 40 years of age. I mean, that's a baby from where I said. Elvis Presley was asked this question by a reporter. Elvis, when you first started out your musical career... You said you wanted three things in life. To be rich, to be famous, and to be happy. How are you going, Elvis? And the singer replied, I'm as lonely as hell. Well put, said Louis Palau, the great Argentine evangelist. Hell is a lonely place. He was certainly wealthy. And he was certainly well known. He was called the king of rock and roll. Women screamed for him. He had a beautiful wife, a wonderful child, and more money than you could spend in a lifetime. But for Elvis, happiness was a fleeting dream. And he died tragically addicted to food and to drugs. And along with Michael Hutchinson and a whole bunch of other celebrities, the people who got it all... And they still died in misery. When when, can we learn from that? I have sometimes as a diagnostic tool in counselling, and I've had someone coming in suffering of depression or uh, anxiety or a bit bit of confusion, I'll, I'll get them to say, okay, for your homework, I want you to ask the question every time you think of what would make you happy. So when you're sitting on the toilet, Mike, what would make you happy? Listen. Listen to what comes. What would make you happy? A nice coffee would be good. 
What would make you happy? What would make you happy? You know, I've found that over many years, the people who ask that question regularly, they end up coming to a point of great confusion because they suddenly realise the more they ask that question, nothing will make them happy. Guys, life doesn't get better than it is if you're here right now, if you're really here now. Life doesn't get better than this. Things around you may change. The bank account can go up and the bank account can go down. Mm. Mm. Say, mm. People around you might, you might have more likes on Facebook and you may be different on Facebook. But all that's external. All that is stuff. If you can't be happy, contented, satisfied, significant now because of your revelation of who you are in God, your understanding of the word of God, it doesn't get better. What will make you happy? Nothing. You know why? C.S. Lewis said it. You and I were designed to operate on an oxygen that we call God. We were designed as spiritual beings. So I may want to run my machine on sugar. I may want to run my machine on sex. I may want to run my machine on significance. I may want to run my machine on salary. But if at my core being I am designed to run on God himself, then everything else will just cause the machine to break down, to be inefficient and not to be working. You were designed to live in God. Acts 17, 28. In him you move and you live and you have your being. It's not about the stuff. It's not about how good your shoes are or how nice your car is. It's about have you discovered who you are in God. There is a time for everything, uh, Ecclesiastes says. The tick-tock of time, the wisdom of Solomon says there's a time to pick up, there's a time to gather. This cycle of life that we call has good and bad, yes? It has life and death, yes? It has poverty and prosperity, yes? And all this is meant to teach us that we are not in control, that this life is not about this life. All of this life is meant to point us to another life. All of what happens is so that we can actually understand that this is a place of limitation, of frustration, of death and decay, and there's something bigger and better than this, and it's calling to you deep to deep. In this world of chromatic order, chaos reigns supreme. All this is to point us to God. In the words of play school, on the hour, the big hand of the clock always points up. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our wisdom. So, But we do get to chance, plus or minus. I can sit in the, the minus chair. Oh, dear. No one's laughing at my jokes anymore. My new hair colour looks terrible. 
last night we had to take the doctor, the, the dog to the vet. Another four hundred and ninety bucks for an old dog. My credit card's so thoroughly exposed that it may not work the next time. We've just had to borrow twenty thousand dollars extra to pay for the bills of the church. We're running so lean. My wife's got Parkinson's disease. My kids are crazy. Sometimes. I'm 61. <laughs> my knees are bad. My hips are bad. Nobody likes me. Nobody wants me. I think I'll eat worms. My life stinks. It sucks. Um, I think David's got a good idea. Let's change chairs, eh? Thank you, Father. I'm alive. And all these amazing people have come here again. I mean, five and a half thousand dollars is given without us asking for money every week. They come every week. They're passionate for missions. They want to release. They serve. My wife is the cutest thing on two legs. She's so uncomplicated. You just got to do what she tells you and it's all good. <laughs> I have two amazing children and they're bright and they're clever and they're going to be world-class leaders in their chosen fields. I've got an amazing staff. Uh, I'm 61, but I can outwork most of you young fellas. I like my jokes. <laughs> You all get to choose which chair you sit in, don't you? It's totally attitudinal. I want you to know right now, whoever you are, you have an amazing life. You have a wonderful life. You have God as your father, Jesus as your defender and your constant companion. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Your eternal destiny is secured. God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Greater is he that's within you than he's in the world. That you are destined to be an overcomer. That no condemnation in Christ Jesus. You are the bride of Christ. You are the light of the world. You are a child of the living God. You are full of the Holy Spirit. You are full of God's fruit, love, joy and peace. I mean, what's wrong with you? Nothing. (laughs) Philippians 4 verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, 46, one of the complaints God has about the children of Israel was not only the sin, but the fact they did not serve the Lord, their God, joyfully and gladly during the time of prosperity. All the humans here probably find it very hard to be rejoicing during the lean times, during the hard times. Yeah, true. True to human experience. We should be better than that because we should not be based on our circumstances but based on our eternity. But nevertheless, when you're in a prosperous zone, I think we should be a bit happy about life. And you are world-class millionaires. If you've got change in your pocket, if you've got more than one pair of shoes, if you've got electricity, if you've got clean running water, if you've got uh, more than a couple of pairs of clothes, you are a world-class millionaire. 
Hallelujah. So we're meant to move beyond just, hey, please me, please me, please me. Make me happy, make me happy. Because it's counterintuitive. The whole problem is when you try to make yourself happy, you will become more and more unhappy. Jesus said, whoever wants to keep his life shall lose it. In other words, if you want to try and have a happy existence, all you're going to do is get misery. But if you give your life away to others, if you put God first, then everything else will flow through and you'll live an amazing life. You know, when I look at uh, Pastor Jeff and Sue Smith, you know, on on worldly graphs, you know, Nice little house, but it's an Armadale, little three, three by one, not a lot of money, little car. You know, you go through all the human measures and you would say, they shouldn't be happy. Particularly the fact they've lost people to martyrdom, they've done hard yards, had to believe God every, every year of their life for, you know, the magic envelope to come through the door with that supernatural blessing. And yet, two of the most joyful people you'd ever find, isn't it? There's, there's a key there. Locate your joy in God. So today, which chair are you going to sit upon? You're going to sit in this chair? Be a misery guts, a whinging weed, a complaining Christian, a grumble bum. Ooh, did I say the beat? It is interesting. When God was trying to bring people out of Egypt through a wilderness into a promised land that they had a lot of complaints and they grumbled and they whinged and they complained. And God says when they do that, they're doing it not to the leadership, not to the circumstances. They're actually complaining to me because ultimately that's living as if God's not in control. So when you're complaining about Whatever it might be, you're living like God does not exist. Well, God help all of us to live like God exists. You know, when your joy will be really tested, it's not when things are good, but when things are not good. Your peace will be tested, not when things are calm, but during the storm. (laughs) You know, your faithfulness, these things are not tested during the good times. So live on purpose with purpose. Love the life you, sorry, live the life you love and love the life you live. Can I say that again? Love the life you love. Did I say it right? Yes. My dyslexia. No, I didn't, did I? Did I say that one wrong? Yeah, okay. I'll try again. Live the life you love and love the life you live. Don't wish your life away. You know, you've got kids that, you know, oh, I wish I was growing up now. You know, I wish I was, ten, you know, I want to go to school. You know, they won't let me go to school and then they get to school. I don't want to go to school anymore. Now I want to get married and then they don't want to get married and then they want to get divorced and then they want to go. Don't live. From yesterday on tomorrow, live today. The purpose of life is to live life on purpose. And if you're lost, can I ask you to renounce to renounce and to denounce the religion of self-control, the religion of self-interest, the religion of being self-God, and to finally transfer your allegiance to the Master, 
the king, the Lord, and let him be your source and your power. If we could have our team up, thanks, and we'll get you to stand. Uh, last slide, or second last slide, thanks. So teach us to number the days that we may get a heart of wisdom, live life on purpose, find a purpose, not a porpoise, a purpose. Get a purpose outside of yourself. Join a connect group, serve, adopt a dog, mow the lawn, do an act of random kindness to somebody. Get a purpose and uh, life will start to get much happier and more content than when you try to please. So we'll, we'll sing uh, I Surrender again.